0: It's Thursday, August 10th, 2023, and you're listening to episode 616 of Fear the Boot, a show about tabletop role-playing games and a little bit more. Running time for this episode is 34 minutes. Welcome to Fear the Boot. My name is Dan.
1: This is Doug. This is Wayne.
2: This is Julia.
0: When we were working on the current actual play, because all the turnover, whatever. We just decided, hey, we're going to make a new group template and kind of start fresh. Same game, same campaign, but we really want to start fresh. One of the things that we got to talking about that is not directly related to the AP, but it's just something that we started thinking about in our different styles of gaming, is a point where Wayne and I have very different preferences in the sorts of groups we run for, not meaning players, but the characters, which is that I tend to prefer parties that have some kind of alignment or loyalty or whatnot. And when I say that, I don't mean alignment in the D&D sense. I mean that they're at least nominally part of a corporation, part of a cause, part of a military, something like that, that there are people
1: that they exist within. Yeah. And and, whereas Wayne, my preference is I like groups that are off on their own, that they are the loners. They don't have the support to go back to. They don't have people to check with.
0: Yeah. So I want to start, I'm going to give the virtues that I see in a group that has alignment And Wayne, I will let you rebut or give your view on how you would handle that with an unaligned group or a different point that you think an unaligned group would offer to make up for that. And we'll just allow Julie and Doug to heckle as they see fit or (laughs) as, as, as the spirit moves them. So the first one that I'm going to start with is it gives me a better sense of cohesion. That... I know, if nothing else, something that will keep the party together is they all either believe in the same cause or work for the same group. And I don't have to worry as much that intra-party conflict is going to result in the group fragmenting, which I realize... You can kind of get around with and I don't want to see your thunder here, but I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> you can kind of get around that by making sure the players at the character level have attachments to each other. But it seems like even when those fail, ultimately being part of the same group at a larger scale is a common identity to fall back on.
1: So for me, part of that comes in in session zero. For session zero, I need the group to be together. Right. I need them to have a reason to like each other, to be together, that they're going to stick together, and, par- and that is connections and things. But when I'm running a game, I like them being off on their own. They don't have people to turn to because that cements them as we are in this together. That unifies the group for me instead of breaking them apart.
0: Do you think, though, that distance between party and affiliation could also create that for example let's take star trek as a, as one where you're all part of starfleet which means you have a common code there is a command chain out there somewhere but you're out there exploring strange new worlds and your ability to reach starfleet may be very limited and you're expected to lean on each other and what you
1: have yeah for example like voyager if they couldn't talk back that would work just fine for me but My big issue is if the party is part of a larger organization, I find the players always want to call in that organization. Mm. They want to call for help. They want to ask for more details instead of being proactive and realizing that they have to deal with this situation on their own. There's always somewhere out there they can reach out to. And that is a consistent issue for me. When I want the players to be dealing with things, I don't want them to call up because it makes sense. If they run into a situation and they're part of Starfleet, why wouldn't you report back to Starfleet? Why wouldn't Starfleet yeah, send you knowledge. support?
2: I don't know. For As a player, though, I've played in a Dan's game before, and I typically look at it as like just somebody back there giving me my missions. I typically don't ever contact them. So maybe it depends on your player group, on it, how much they rely on that. Yeah, it
1: that definitely thing. does partially depend on the player.
0: Yeah, and I think... I'll keep this all together under one line item I'll probably call something like cohesion, identity, and help. But I think help is kind of a double-edged sword because I have experienced this, and I will admit that this is a weakness of an affiliated group, is that sometimes the players do say, well, wait a minute, this has gotten bigger. The group we belong to has a lot more authority, a lot more power, a lot more resources, and therefore, we're going to call on some of those to bail us out instead of figuring it out. And sometimes I can give reasonable excuses why that wouldn't happen. But other times, it does start to get a bit implausible or seems like I'm constantly repeating the same excuses that they just never pick up. There's always something that keeps communications from going home. You're always the only ship in the area. And it just starts to get nonsensical. But then
2: what's the What's the point?
0: Well, but the flip side, and this is maybe where I'm going to... I may possibly answer your question about what's the point, is in the cases where the party really has dug themselves in a hole, where they don't know what to do to move forward plot-wise, the three-clue rule has failed them, the forces are just wildly beyond their reach, they have pissed off something that they have no way to get away from, that the availability of help does become a useful game master tool to sort the situation. and Now, admittedly, that can also get to be too much, where you're never solving things or building identity because it's always being provided. But, once again, if you hit a really, really peculiar and precarious situation... There is something there that could come in there and dig you out.
1: Yeah, I have before in a campaign brought assistance in, but it's not assistance that they're aligned with. And now they owe somebody. That is a whole separate side plot that's going on in the campaign now because somebody did show up to help them and they don't have that alignment already with them. They don't have that connection. And now they expect something in return.
2: I want to... Bring up something interesting about this, though. I wonder if it makes more sense in, like, Epic of Rises* or Star Trek because you do need almost, like, it, it, the universe is so expansive that you almost need, like, this faction that you're with or something that can give you answers because, like, the possibilities are limitless. Whereas something more like, I don't know, like a superhero game or D&D, for instance, or anything like that, the setting kind of is the group or the affiliation. Yeah, and that's is- why...
0: That's why I describe help as a double-edged sword, because I think on the one hand, to have those resources, to have that flow of information, to have people that even if they don't totally bail you out, would at least be able to point you in the right direction or send you another piece of gear Mm -hmm. can be a bit of of a grease in the wheels of the game without becoming... I don't know, so so much that the players aren't doing anything for themselves.
1: Well, and I have no problem with the players going in the wrong direction. And I just move the campaign in the wrong direction. But part of it I also run into is the players will reach out to ask what they should do.
0: Yes. Instead
1: of making mm-hmm. a decision, yeah. here's all the information, make my decision for me.
0: Yes. And I, once again, double-edged sword. I am happy to admit that I have seen that. And I've had to develop strategies for dealing with that. One of the things that I contemplate when giving a party an affiliation is how am I going to limit the kinds of help that are available in a way that is consistent and plausible? It isn't just the same excuse getting made over and over and over again, but how can I set some kind of a boundary? It's like, okay, you're affiliated with a group and you're going to see them sometimes, but you're also deep behind enemy lines. So the cavalry is not always coming to save you or they contracted you to do something. So you have clear cut objectives and some resources, but if you can't work independently, they're going to lose faith in you and it's going to cut into your payday and cut into your steam with a screw. And so it I that's not a complete list, but these are some of the things that I've come up with as ways of trying to limit what they're doing and what they're asking for
1: well and i've noticed in say your skies of glass game your skies of glass games we don't ever start off affiliated with an organization but you do start presenting organizations we could pretty easily become affiliated with and some of them start making the pitches so even if you don't start off with a group that's definitely something you seem to be moving the group towards
0: yeah, and I, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and give this its own bullet point of changing affiliations. And I don't mean changing on the fly in, in the sense of like you're with one group and defect to another. I mean changing affiliations in terms of you might pick up some loose affiliations along the way. So the affiliations themselves are changing, not necessarily you, but you run into a group that's kind of headed the same direction and you hop a ride with them or you agree to at least share information and shoot guns the same direction. And you're right, that is something that I do in my Skies of Glass games, usually at least, where the group does not have an affiliation to begin with. Outside of maybe a very small one, like you're from a particular town where you have family, so that's sort of an implicit affiliation. But along the way, there are bigger powers that you could align with. But there's always going to be the up and down side of aligning with them means you're also now kind of stuck with their baggage and their expectations. And so it already comes with something of a downside, because if you're not prepared to totally sell out to them, then there's always going to be a bit of commerce and a bit of tension in that relationship.
1: And I tend to do the opposite in my campaigns. Instead of bigger organizations they interact with, smaller groups that need their help. Mm -hmm. And as they help people, Throughout the course of a the campaign, they have start to build alliances with these groups. All of them are weaker and less powerful, but when the time comes, their strength in numbers, and so they have people they can reach out to for help. But they're not beholden to them. Those NPCs are beholden to the party. Yeah, and it's just the opposite approach for me. Hmm. So, like, how do you uh, start out a game like that, Wayne? How do you get the players to? Do the adventure, I guess, is... Well, part of it is I build the campaign around the players.
0: And that's actually my third one on this list is... uh, Well, it was my second, but I took one out of order. Direction and motivation. Mm -hmm. Now, Wayne, this is where I'm going to agree with you more than I'm going to disagree with you in all probability. Because I think, first and foremost, the game, outside of a very small number of setups... I think 90-some-odd percent of games, the game should first and foremost be about the individual characters and their motivations, not that of some outside party. But one of the problems I've hit up against in a handful of games, and I'll admit some of these boil down to one or more players was being a bastard, and... I'm just going to be straight with you on that. But I've hit these points where someone's not telling them they have to do something. And I don't mean railroading the plot. I just mean chasing anything. Then either they start running from the plot. For example, cash-motivated groups. Mm -hmm. Holy crap, I hate running for cash-motivated groups. Because I was like, well, the adventure's not worth risking the assets we have, so we're just not going to do it at all. <laughs>
2: and then you don't have a game again. Yeah, plan. and then I don't have a game yeah. anymore. <laughs>
0: yeah. Or I had a group in a Battletech game where they realized they'd accumulated enough wealth that they could subcontract all of their jobs. And so they're like, well, why would we have all this money and then risk our own lives and our mechs? I'm like, because that's the game, you jackasses. <laughs> but that was not enough to dissuade them. And I'm like... And now you're mad because I'm not running Battletech. And that it wasn't this group. It wasn't even my prior group. It was the one I had like way back near the start of the podcast.
1: I can say I've thankfully never experienced it because I've never had a group that their main motivations were money. Yeah. Part of that was for a long time I ran with Pat in the group and Pat always made the rich guy.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, he, always yeah in the group. he was already wealthy.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And that tends to be a common thing of at least one of the players wants to be wealthy and fund the group i've never had one that their main motivation was making money money. yeah they've had jobs outside of what they're doing and that's how they get their money but it's never been the motivation of the group
0: yeah so i don't like micromanaging the group such that their characters just become uh, subsumed by a larger group that their own motivations their own agendas their own personalities their own approaches can't be expressed but it does at least give me some way of saying, okay, I know I can at least give you that initial nudge that, like Doug was asking about, by saying your orders come in and this is the gist of what you're supposed to do. And by virtue of being part of this group, you've at least agreed to take them seriously.
1: I've run a lot of different campaigns. And usually what I do is the start for the first session or two, I have my idea of what's going to be the bigger story. But I am doing the market of ideas and NPCs for the first two sessions while they learn their characters. Things are happening, but I'm paying attention to what they're grasping onto because that's then going to lead them to what the story is going to be. Instead of trying to push them to the story, I'm letting them bite on whatever they're interested in and bringing the story to that. And literally, I build my campaign around their interest and what they're doing as well as what they've given me in their backstories and their character builds. If I see they're not interested in something they said they were going to be interested in, I have no problem snipping it out, throwing it away, and working on something else. For a recent Dresden game, the first session, though, they all had something in their backstory. I told them what I wanted. You all had a connection to Mama Vivian. This is an NPC. She was important to you. Why was she important to you? And in session zero, we went around the table and each one told me why she was one of the most important people in their lives. Well, not to get pedantic. The session started with her death. Not to get, okay. F- oh, until you got to that part, it's it, she's dead. It's
0: the same thing. But yeah, not to be pedantic, but isn't that kind of an affiliation? Even after her death, isn't the affiliation here to sh- the image of who she was or the image of what she represented the same way that a ship in starfleet that's not in contact with starfleet would still be trying to advance the goals of the federation and their image of the Mm -hmm.
1: federation right so i mean yes and no it's specifically it's not something that is still there to provide that that they can reach out to but i mean a group that's part of a say a super team they have their internal affiliation they're just not reporting to anybody else yeah this was a case of they're being given inheritance and now they have a mystery to solve of who killed her and why did they kill her. And that was my first session starting was going through that and leading to the session ending with me reading her pre-prepared will I, I that guess. had and I got one of the players to cry. There's nothing that makes me happier than when I can get emotional investment from a player enough that they cry at the table from something emotional that's happened. I guess the
0: metaphor that's coming to mind of how I would see that as an affiliation is imagine the difference between, let's say, the Justice League, where they are all working together because even though they have their own interpretations, approaches, backstories, personalities, they at least agree in principle on a set of ideas and a set of interpersonal connections that keep them bound together. And that would be what I would call an unaffiliated group as opposed to, let's say, the entire Justice League started and stuck together for a great many of their adventures because they were all equally traumatized by the death of Batman's parents. Yeah. And so, I mean, I do you kind of see how to meet yeah. one? It still feels like an affiliation. It's less active of an affiliation. But it's still basically t- saying to the players, you all agree on this one narrow set, a relatively narrow set, of principles or allegiances though admittedly there's some room for interpretation
1: well and i can see that but in this case all of the characters had their own lives their own things going on their own things they were looking towards this was the catalyst event to kick off the events their characters were not defined by her death her death is what brought them into the story yeah they already interacted and knew each other and were spending time with each other.
0: To what extent, just out of curiosity, but to what extent did that game continue after her murder had been solved?
1: By the time they solved the murder, they were already dealing with other mysteries around the city. Yeah. And it it's hard to figure out time on this one because it had to pause during COVID and then relaunch. Yeah. But it went on for at least eight months total time. Okay. okay. And... The murder was solved within the first handful of sessions.
0: Okay. Then, yeah, I'll grant that even if the game started with an affiliation, it quickly lost it. And certainly there were other factors now that were motivating them to stay together.
1: Doug's question of, well, what do you do to start them off? In that campaign, that was the first time I'd done something like that, where it's a big event to bring everyone together. Usually I start them off with little things, and then they Mm kind of come together, and I'm interacting with each of the individual characters. That was the first time I've done a, you know, drop a big event, and here's what just happened, and now you're dealing with it. And it sounds like you drop little, like, seeds of other plots, and then they come around and water the seed. Yep, the ones that they show the interest in now go from being C background plots up to B plots. Hey, they're really interesting. This is being now integrated into the A plot. Yeah, okay. Did you
2: find that it was hard for your characters to make NPCs because they like? I feel like if you have something like what Dan's talking about, like this big affiliation or this big connection, there's a lot of NP- NPCs you can pull from that.
1: Not even slightly. Okay, Okay. they, so yeah. they created their family, they created their coworkers okay. because each one of them had a separate life. Yeah, that works throughout the city. That's was going to be my fourth point. So
0: since Julia brought it up, we'll go ahead and hop there. That an affiliate group creates an automatic set of connections and available NPCs. Now, these could be NPCs that are obvious to the characters to create. For example, in one of the previous iterations of this Epoch of Rysos game, we're having trouble getting off the ground. The fact that you were on large ships that belonged to a larger group, Mm -hmm. you guys were able to say, well, I'm friends with this ship's primary cook. or I'm friends with the ship's dentist, or any things (laughs) like that. Or I have someone who was also part of the same organization. We were at the same battle or at the same academy together. And so it creates both obvious background NPCs, but then also obvious reasons to encounter NPCs in the future. If a colonel from this military shows up, well you have to pay some attention to him. Mm-hmm. As, and then once again, not to say I'm going to railroad you with that, but it's very different than some rando in a bar walking up to you and saying, well, I want you to do this, and now this person has to motivate you. The affiliation alone is the motivation. And so you get NPCs both in the character's background, but also in the character's present and future. that are already set up as connections resources rivals that are implicitly there by virtue of belonging to one group whereas with a group of murder hobos i mean i'm not saying you can't have right. that because obviously i've i've run games so that i've included those and done so
1: well i prefer loner groups i don't do murder hobos i don't like traveling games my games usually stay in one city. Okay, fair and enough. I
0: was oversimplifying with the phrase murder hobos.
1: Mm-hmm. No. But no. I,
0: just, I, I meant just an unaffiliated group of people out there doing their own thing that the NPCs that they all have or could get help from, even if they are present, they are, one, not self-obvious unless the players develop them really well. And, two, those NPCs then don't necessarily have any bonds to each other that you could described throughout the game which would actually further
1: connect the characters. I actually give them bonds sometimes. So let's say that I'm running a game, you all give me your NPCs. Yeah. Dan you create a character, you give me your mother, your sister, your coworker. Okay. Julia gives me a character that Those is all one person. Yeah. Julia gives me a character that is an ex-boyfriend, a rival at work, another relative. And then uh, Doug gives me a best friend from college and this well these are people that then exist throughout a location the location could be a city could be a con- whatever i will start to make some of these connections behind the scenes those characters may know each other but you don't know that they know each other yeah i guess you could
0: also even ask the players and say i want you two to connect at least one of your npcs they don't be the same person mm-hmm. but somehow one of your npcs and one of your npcs know each other how is that
2: we we've done that before
1: Going back to the game I was talking about that was the Dresden Files game with Mama Vivian, I had one character's younger sister was the roommate of one of the other characters and the ex-girlfriend of another of the characters. So this NPC was connected to three of the characters.
2: Couldn't you argue, though, that your town or you say you don't typically leave a town? Isn't that an affiliation in itself?
1: No, because Mm, that's actually a fair point. They're not beholden to it. They live there it's where they live i mean everyone has some affiliation to
0: yeah Yeah. true 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 okay
1: the difference is they are not they're not part of an organization the group does not have a boss that can come down and give them a order and they don't have people they can reach out to for help yeah got it okay Yes, there's going to be some level of they're part of a city, which is part of a county, which is part of a state. Okay, <laughs> which well, is fair okay. enough, I, I, yeah. I'm not thinking the whole Animaniacs. All uh, right, I, I
0: suppose you could, and perhaps we were leaning towards this of describing affiliation in a way that is so either overly broad or.
2: I'm, mean, well, I'm thinking yeah. like Starfleet. Like I feel like a town is sort of like Starfleet in a weird way. <laughs> Like, you know what I mean? Because it's yeah, like the people that's on your interesting
0: shift.
1: way of thinking. I don't think yeah. so. Yeah. yeah, but is a, as
0: I say, is that either A, overly broad, or B, a bit reductivist in terms of the definition of the phrase to say that anything you are affiliated with is therefore an affiliation?
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. so like, for example, so I ran
0: a superhero game. You're playing someone who's a complete nihilist, but because they just happen... To work for a company to bring home a paycheck, they therefore have an affiliation. <laughs>
1: yeah, Well, and that's Fair. my example, is I ran a superhero game. Their superhero group had no affiliation. They were a group of teenagers that have come together to be superheroes. Their day jobs was working at a coffee shop. Okay. They all okay. worked at the same coffee shop. That had nothing to do with their superhero their actual, lives in okay. any way.
0: Yeah, and I would like to do a quick aside to kind of point out two things, which is one, that a D&D... Alignment is not what I mean by an affiliation. That the yeah. fact that you all happen to be good aligned is not in and of itself an affiliation. But then, secondly, that I think it is plausible to say that really what we're talking about is I don't think either of us is actually truly defending the idea of a completely unaffiliated group. It's whether the group is externally affiliated versus internally affiliated. Yes, I want them strongly internally connected. Yeah, and I want that as well. These are not mutually exclusive. I mean, you can both be part of the same army and yet still be friends and comrades. So I I don't think one excludes the other. But what we are taking the admittedly uh, false dilemma positions here on is that Wayne is going to defend the internal affiliation side and i'm defending the external affiliation side what
1: it really boils down to is you love having the resource of their bigger organization to come down and i struggle more with the complications that that brings of them having people they can go to to bring in help and answer questions versus i really have never had any problem motivating the group without the organization which is something that an organization gives strength to for you. See, and this is where
0: it sounds like you and I are coming from this, unsurprisingly, from opposing GM traumas.
2: That's what I was going to say. Are you sure yes. this isn't like a PTSD situation? Yeah, yeah I think like it is. You've dealt with groups that can't handle plots being in front of their faces and and just being you, able to take them, yeah, and like all you, of your people can't yeah. handle being told what to do. Yeah,
0: exactly. It <laughs> sounds like these are opposite traumas, or Wayne's too used to groups that just take any affiliation as a crutch, and I'm too used to groups. I mean, I have flat out had groups tell me, no, once again, not recently, but in my battered GM past, that I would write up a plot and it wasn't super narrow, wasn't railroady, you know, I did it more or less the way I was supposed to do it. And they'd be like, you know, I just really can't give you any reason why my character would care. <laughs> and now I will admit that is jackass behavior. That certainly falls within the whole, the toxic version of, but that's not what my character would do as a way of hiding bad behavior. And I am in favor of an internal consistency of characters, and I think players should have a right to defend that to a point, stressing that to a point. And, but I've had parties go beyond that where I give them something and they're like, I just can't see why we care. We're just going to leave. And it's like, well, damn it. <laughs> really? <laughs> so if I don't have general mcjackass telling
1: you to do this you You won't do it it. and yeah i want to sound tough and just say well if they leave then the bad thing happens and they have to deal with the consequences but i don't know that i'd ever actually do that
0: yeah but i I want to say i would do it sure and then uh, once again in some of these groups you'd yeah, well, then we'll just leave that town, too. <laughs> or, you know, we're just going to go somewhere where it's absolutely implausible this is going to go on.
2: I guess I just, like, go with the flow. So, like, I just, I don't know. I just, I've never been that, I don't know, obstinate in somebody's yeah. storytelling.
0: Uh, well, there's... It's so crazy. There's This is a concept in morality and philosophy that I'm going to extend to gaming that there are positive statements and negative statements. And what I mean by that is positive statements are what you ought to do. Negative statements are what you ought not do. And I could give you examples of that, but it would stray into the show's you know, politics and religion band, so I'm not going to do so. You'll just have to take my word on this. But in this case, I think, Wayne, you and I here are positions I don't know if they're positive as much as they are negative, Yeah, (laughs) that it's I'm trying to duck players who won't do anything or are too difficult to motivate or get themselves in really moronic situations that I have to bail them out of. And you're coming from a standpoint of players who are passive in the opposite direction of they're going to solve everything with a phone call back to Ma Bell. And And I got tired of
1: giving reasons why they can't do it.
0: Yeah. I could see that. And, I mean, I don't know. It's kind of the Shadowrun conundrum of, I I don't know. I mean, maybe Shadowrun's a little bit different because... Oh,
2: you're always affiliated with that because you're usually either bounty hunters or part of a
0: corp. Well, yeah, and if you're not, if you're true Shadowrunners that are completely unaligned, Mm -hmm. you disappear into the barrens, you have no sin or sand, depending on whatever the version is, and you just work for whoever pays you and whoever you agree with but what you're really affiliated with there is that implies a lifestyle yeah that you're part of this sort of independent gun for hire hiding in the barrens, which is the slums of seattle sort of group
2: Mm -hmm. and uh well and you rely on each other for jobs yeah and so
0: there is an affiliation there still but it's it's
2: it's that town one I was talking about. Yeah, it's the it's, town a, not a- it's
0: an affiliation and mm-hmm. name only. It's an affiliation to a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. That you're trying to protect a community or a way of life. You're not really trying to answer to Aries technology or something like that. Or maybe you are. And that's been one I've always wanted to try in Shadowrun and never been able to do is run for a group. Oh, love it. That were either consistently contracted by one corporation or were actually above board they had sin and san and worked for a corporation as legal law-abiding citizens it's just the corporations are literally allowed to get away with murder
2: yeah i and, love that idea
0: but i've never had a group <laughs> let me do that they're always like no 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 we want to be the we want to be slumming it and be a bunch of nihilistic anarchistic whatever is and antisocial people and say like, okay which is fine but They've been good so far, but every so often it does get a bit to the, if I'm not paying you enough, I can't get you to do anything. And if I pay you enough to do it, you then start to realize you could subcontract it
1: anyway. So I take the risk. Yeah. And I will stress both of us have run campaigns that are the opposite of what we say our preferences. Yes. It
0: isn't the deal breaker. Oh no. This (laughs) is one of those episodes where we are definitely taking falsely extreme positions for the sake of debate. Because like you said, okay. you've run games where the group yeah. was affiliated. I ran
1: a D&D game where they were part of a guild. Yeah. And they were just sent out to the town by themselves. And, but
0: they called back for help. And the West Marches game I'm in right now, the group has no particular affiliation. I mean, they have NPCs in common and such. But it's not like they're all part of one order of paladins or something like that or whatever. So it, once again, yeah, we're just taking falsely... Hmm. Opposite opinions here that uh, just for the sake of drawing out the debate, but
1: like most things, we're discovering that our opinions are entirely based on our gaming traumas. (laughs) Yeah,
0: I don't know, maybe it was a show topic there. I don't know that it'd be any advice in there, but just
1: talk about your trauma, like a therapy
2: session. (laughs) It's
0: going way back in Fear of the Boots history. (laughs) Some of the episodes people frequently point to as their favorites are the things that GMs do people hate and the things that players do people hate. Mm-hmm. You know the bad habits episodes. Yeah. I wonder if we could do a similar one that is just us listing our gaming traumas. But
2: you have to start it with like Ed Sheeran, "My Bad Habits Start With You." Yes, song, whatever that's called, would be know, great.
0: No, because you hate butterflies. So I guess <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we're going to wrap this one up. No particular announcements or whatnot to throw into this episode. Uh, don't think really even much in the show notes. That's an outline of what we said. So other than that, uh, thank you guys for tuning in. Have a great week and great games, and we will catch you next time. This has been a production of Fear the Boot, copyright 2023. Listeners are free to use this episode in a non-commercial endeavor, so long as credit is provided to feartheboot.com. You can find previous episodes and other resources at feartheboot.com. If you wish to support this show and its related endeavors, you can do so at patreon.com feartheboot.